And now, it is time to count up your sins. Yours specifically. <laughs> you, the listener. Because yes. we're talking about fandom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <sighs> <laughs> we, now, we now pause the podcast for 15 seconds of groaning. <laughs> uh, no. Like, for the entire time of just being a huge fucking dork that I have existed... I have loved the being fans of things, but I've hated fandom. Like it, that is one of the few constants in my experience. And every time <laughs> I like try to like change that, I'm like, oh god, no, why? It's just like <laughs> it's like a stove. And every once in a while, something will be cooking on that stove, and I'm like, maybe I should take ah, fuck, no, it's still hot. It's always hot. The stove is always hot, y'all. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, we had a discussion lined up to talk about canon and the idea of, like, the ownership of stories, and I had, like, actual academic textbooks on this, uh, including the, uh, including a, a book called The Invention of Ownership, which is, you know, it's a, it's an interesting read, but, uh, yeah, uh, then we just got reminded that, um, a whole bunch of Star Wars ladies have been harassed off the internet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this and week it was, a. Uh, it was- I'm gonna get her name wrong. Is it Rose? That's uh, the character. Oh, the character's yes. name is Rose, and the actress's name is- I want to say it's Kelly Tran, but- Kelly Marie Tran. Mer- yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it turns out that the online shit boys brigade, which, you know, to be fair, not all of them are boys, but they're all shit, uh, decided to vomit into her Instagram so consistently that she figured it just wasn't worth her while having a social media outlet anymore. Man. Like, cause- okay, let's- the disclosure here, neither me nor Talon give, like, a quarter of a fuck about Star Wars oh, at all. Oh, God, no. <laughs> but, like, y'all come the fuck on. Like, really. Like, y'all... Like, and mean, the thing is, this is this is a thing about fandom that occurs regardless of who you are. And, like, and I want to be clear, at. I actually actively have beef with Star Wars, and I at no point feel the need to go shit in George Lucas's inbox about it. Yeah. Yo, okay, you want to know part of why I don't like Star Wars? Because when I was a kid, like, I think I saw the prequels, like, around the same time as, like, the originals. And so I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's cool. Yeah, me you too. Know, lightsabers and magic. And then, like, every year, every day for the rest of my life, people, um, excuse me, words, complained and screamed about how terrible the prequels were. So in my head, it was, oh, I guess Star Wars is bad. <laughs> so I guess I don't like Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Like, every single fucking thing. Like, are any of the young people from those prequels, like, living happy lives? Because I'm sure they're not, because of all those motherfuckers. Um, Holly Joel Osment found that the way he was treated, that's the little kid who played Anakin in The in the Phantom Menace. Uh, he, he was treated so poorly, he dropped out of acting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's, he's just, like, living off on his own. I think he's an insurance assessor or something. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Like, and it's just fucking... It's a part of, like... Again, it's the part of making being a fan of a thing part of your identity. I mean, and I've done that. You know, that's that whole thing of, yeah, I'm a huge, you know, I'm a huge geek and I love this, that, and the third. That's the part of who I am because the things you take on affect you. But like, and it, and it is somewhat in- influenced by the media you take. Obviously, certain things, pre- you know, promote certain ideas. I've gotten into long, stupid, circular conversations about fucking Warhammer. Yeah. And the way, <laughs> That, Look, it's you know, it's easier to find a fascist who loves Warhammer than a fascist who loves Steven Universe. That's not to say that there's not other elements going on, 
And it's not to say that it's impossible, but there are definite points of appeal. Yeah, well, that's the thing, too, right? Because there's really real. Let's be real. There are certain political affiliations that make you a bad person. I'll oh, yeah. go all up with that, right? And there are certain media that are aligned with certain political affiliations. Yeah. But there are bad people who are amplified by fandom. And that will always, that's a part of fandom. Those are like three separate channels going on, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I've heard this like mealy mouth stuff on the news lately. Uh, let, let me just say, as, a, as an Australian who votes and cares about voting systems, uh, I actually do believe that if you voted for someone who's racist and said racist things and is going to enforce racist policies, then you are saying, I either agree with that racism or that racism isn't enough to turn me off. At which point, yeah, sorry, you're in the racist camp. Just like- I mean, like- That's, that's pretty, do you, do that's you pretty want much it. Somebody so not- who doesn't, you want somebody who doesn't care about your life, somebody who does care about your life, or somebody who hates you, holding a gun and pointing it at you. Two of those yeah. motherfuckers are the same guy. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that trigger's gonna get exactly. pulled. Right? <laughs> now, uh, the, the, um, what, what this means is that there is a, there is a really easy personal story about fandoms, especially when you see a fandom doing something awful, because almost always, if it's a fandom you belong to, it's really easy to tell yourself the story that, oh, that's just, <laughs> that's just our fringe. That's just a small part of what we have. And the rest of us are great. And I don't like those people, but I can't stop them. And the other version of the story is, oh, well, that's that other fandom, and I already knew they sucked, and those people who are doing the bad thing, to me, will represent that fandom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and that is, again, that's an, 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 an unwillingness to actually make peace or, make, or, like, really deal with the fact that this is a part of what fandom is and does. And it's the inability to separate yourself from that. I'm mm. going to say, that's why, you know, your parents will tell you, to go the fuck outside sometimes. Like, <laughs> that's the worst way to put it. But, like, you gotta, you have to be able to separate it and treat it like its own media. And, it, and I've heard this, like, division of, like, collector fandom versus, or, like, categorizing fandom versus, like, transformative fandom. Oh, that's, that's all, eh. I, I, I don't, I don't buy that. That feels like specific. That feels like nitty gritty gatekeeping it, to try and say, look, the people who pooped in that person's mailbox aren't our people. Oh no, it's the same, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. the same type of person. Cause at the end of the day, you're like, you know, it's a, it's a desire to like, to separate you. Like, oh no, but we're, re- it's always the who's a real fan thing, right? Yeah. That's, that's part of why when we started this, we were like, yo, let's not get super deep into like, oh, this issue and that issue and yada yada. Because that, I don't know, feels kind of, it feels like it makes the conversation about, again, categorizing and things like that. And it starts that conversation of, you know, validity and fandom. And who is, right. is not. Whereas we would like to talk about the whole of this stuff, conversation. So uh, he, here is our marker. At, at this point, it is seven minutes in, and it's going to be the first time I bring up colonialism. It's okay. educational, and it sucks. Um, <laughs> so there is, a, there is a paradigm of how we view power. And I've mentioned this before, and I've talked about it, especially in the Carmen Primer episode, where I talked about how the very J visions of power tend to be something that flows from within, and it tends to be about will rather than about anything else. Um, and, and that, by the way, that's a really good story to tell people when your actual power is cannons and a money class with weapons. So you can say, oh no, I'm, I'm the, 
I'm the daimyo because I have the greater will, not because I paid people to cut off the previous daimyo's head. All right. Yeah. You know, these, these, these power myths are always used in service of existing power. It's just the way that is. But the Western European, and I'm very broadly here, the Western European conception of power tends to be connected to knowing and having. It's very possessive and information based. So if you consider like, when you visualize a smart person in their surroundings, what you're usually going to envision is books. These days, maybe screens. Like, think about when Reed Richards is sitting around and doing a science at something, right? <laughs> or um, Doc Strange wants to go and show off how, how brainy he is to do his research. He he retires to a room full of books and, you know, thinks. Mm. Right? That's, that's very much our signifiers of that particular kind of power. The- the nature of power at that root is part of just how we structure society. And it has been very much used in the service of rich, wealthy, uh, well-off people who had the time to study. This is one of the reasons why uh, all the scientists of like the 17th and 18th century were all lords, because they were the only people who had the free time to waste on this sort of bullshit. Mm. That means that a lot of our conception of Power and worth is tied to knowing. And that is why I'm really reluctant to get into this issue, that issue, this specific vision of canon, that particular issue of canon, discard this, this proves that. Because that whole set of things is about using knowledge to dominate. Except when it comes to Goku. Eh. <laughs> I get comically mad about that, but the fact of the matter is, who gives a flying fuck? <laughs> I'm sad because there was a visual bit that y'all are missing where I like slowly zoomed, like, got closer and closer and closer to the microphone so I could say that. And I was like, wait, wait, this is a gag that nobody's gonna see. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was, I was envisioning like a little, uh, Sentai helmet clay appearing over my shoulder. <laughs> just, just the, just the eye level over my shoulder as the line came out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, no, but it, it, it is serious. Like, we, we treat nerd, nerd base, uh, of power tends to treat knowing things as itself an inherent good. These people a- quote their credentials, like, I know all the EU stuff, or I've been a fan since blah, and I have seen these movies end times. I know what I'm talking about. And it's the same bullshit. It's the same attempts to use knowing something as a way to dominate someone. There's also, like, a gendered, like, slash, like, queerness aspect to it. Because a lot of the transformative, like, fan art side of things, you know, fan work, you know, fan fiction, that, like, sort of transformative, quote-unquote, fandom has this natural sort of reaction to that, you know? They're, they, a lot of times, view themselves counter to that person, right? Because this person who obsesses over all the things that are true and factual and canon will obviously run the counter to the person who makes shit up, Right? And I feel like there's this, like, weird aspect of that. And we talked about it when we were talking about, like, shipping. And how there are these two, like, spectrums of fandom. And it... And, again, if I was more familiar with that space, I could probably identify these behaviors. I mean, again, you look at the whole Steven Universe thing. Yeah. That's probably that, you know, because it's the whole community who goes, Oh, you didn't... You draw such and such characters, such and such a weight or body size and stuff. And, like, that's its own... Yeah thing but it's the same fucking fandom behavior of being obsessive and like being gatekeeping 
it's, it's not even a matter of being obsessive. And I'm, I'm actually like, now I'm saying this stuff aloud. I kind of want to resist the use of the term obsessive because I know full well that there are people who are obsessive about work. Um, and, and that's comforting to them who do not then use it as an excuse to go and throw fish at someone's car. Like it really does come down. And I think, I, I think this is the thesis that's just going to wind up being part of this for me in that for a lot of these people, it's not even a matter of that they love Star Wars. It's that they love hating someone. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, it's hard too. Cause when I talk about like making fandom your identity, that's also, I don't want to like completely shit on that as an idea, but at the same yeah. time, cause you know, you don't want to sit up here and say that art matters and that it has an effect on people and then also say, hey, but don't care about it so much that it becomes a part of who you are because those are the two ideas that are at odds, you know? Yeah, and and for that matter, I mean, like, for me, it's one thing to be told, like, constructing an identity through fandom and that one relation, but the thing is, for me in particular, a lot of what, like, society tells me I can be is very wide open. I'm I, I'm allowed to be the default. So if I say I want to, I want to be the world's best... Uh, um, part-time clown, uh, part-time window cleaner, there's no one going, that's fucking ridiculous. Well, it is, because I pulled out a ridiculous example, but there's no one saying, like, no, that's a role for other types of people. Whereas, on the more marginalized axes you are, the more likely you are to be, uh, given a very limited list of ways you can perceive yourself, and fandom can be, like, an escape tunnel out of that. Mm. Oh, oh god! <laughs> a fucking childish Gambino lyric just flitted through my head, and I was like, "I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna quote that man." <laughs> do it, do it, do it! You coward! <laughs> White kids can wear whatever hat they want for black kids. One size fits all, or some shit like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, like, you're absolutely right. That's the thing. It's like if you see, I don't know, because like the idea of fandom as a unifying thing, something that brings people together, feels like it's more healthy. Like, if you make friendship through fandom, mm-hmm. you know? Or even if you just like don't hurt anyone with fandom. That, I think that's the real thing. I think, I think that's the thing that I keep coming back to. It's entirely, impo- it's entirely okay by me if you are an obsessive, weird, detail-oriented, completely cataloging kind of person. Just don't hurt anyone. Yeah, but you know, the thing is, and this is where you get to, like, a little too sympathetic to like the perpetrator sort of thing, but perpetrator. Wow, cop talk. Um, That's not wrong in the sense that you have to give people the tools to learn how to. Because here's the thing, right? If you get into a place where that's all you have, and like you know that, that idea that criticism of it or like alteration of it is an attack on you, yeah. You know? And there has to be a way to teach people how to distance. I keep saying like the, the, I keep coming back to this idea, and I and I it feels wrong and i'm trying to find a way to parse this out this is going to be an episode that's mostly just me working through some shit yeah and you know because i i'm i'm in a similar space like there is there is a very i i have a duality here and as an academic i'm kind of very adjacent to what we call fandom studies and fandom studies if you dig down into it is kind of built around the three big tent posts of Star Wars, Doctor Who, and Harry Potter. And I kind of hate all three. <laughs> I feel... I, okay, so you're more versed in this, but you, you would think that mainstream comics would have a bigger role in that at this stage. Like, sort of. Like, there's definitely fandom studies of comics. 
Um, but one of the things about comics is that despite their longevity and despite their um, relationship to other forms of mass media, comics haven't been mass media. Not not for almost a century. Yeah, but I mean, like, this, this is an unfortunate thing to say, but like, are books mass media yes. anymore? You would yes. say you would say full full book length novels are still mass media in yes. this culture right now. Yes, really. Yeah, you want to expound? Uh, I feel like we're reaching a place where they've waned a bit. Not that they're not being like I feel like they're falling into the same place that comics are these days. Uh, you're you're underselling just how much people read. Like people in general just read tons. Like just lots and lots of text. Uh, the the nature of the marketplace of books is still massive. People do think of books as a massive cultural importance. There's still symbolism and iconography associated with them that we use every single day. Uh, it's they're part of the language. And if you want to get certain things to be taken seriously, you put them in a book. Like. Television television is a much more immediate mass media, but books are still a mass media. Mm. And, and, but at the same time, we're, we're making this argument that comics aren't. The issue is that comics are now. But that's because, in this case, comics doesn't refer to the printed objects. It refers to the bubble of creative and cultural space. So when I say, like, comics are a mass media, what I mean is there's been an Avengers movie. See, that's, that's the thing, too, because, like, I don't just mean that the Avengers movies aren't comics. I'm referring... This is also the issue of, you know, superhero media as yeah. dominant in the conversation about absolutely, comics. Because, absolutely. Because, you know, that's that really fucking slights massive amounts of really important work. Yeah. And, and I think that another part of that is the whole, like, I like a lot of these superhero analysis stuff get, like... Mm. This is part of the whole conversation about, like, the modern myth and how that kind of... All of that debate got shunted over there. Yeah. Does that feel separate to you, would you say? Um, I, I have to be very careful about what I say here because my PhD supervisor has beef with me every time we refer to comics as, uh, modern mythicism. <laughs> In a good way or a bad way? Because I might like this person. <laughs> hey, Doc. Uh, no, no. Um, uh, I'm not, uh, cause like, he disagrees with us. Us in the terms of... In, in the like, terms of treating comic books as modern myth. But... So he's a, he does view it in that way. Well, we'll... We'll get into you know what I might even see if we can get him called in on one of these one day. Anyway, <laughs> the the point is that um, when when you talk about fandom, it's um, it's a very big word and it means a lot of different things, and it's part of the problem of this whole study space that we have these words that are effectively identical words with almost identical meanings, just used with different intonations, like. Mm-hmm. I play video games. I have a regular video game review feature on my blog. I record myself playing video games. I talk about video games. I follow video game developers. I think it's pretty reasonable to anyone outside of my personal space to call me a gamer. I don't think anyone would find that odd. On the other hand, when I think of the word gamer, I think of like that worst base element of the culture that treats buying lots of video games as an identity. And therefore has these horrible ideas about the ownership of the artist, the ownership of women, um, a, a really conservative reactionary marketing position, which is like a direct result of around 2005 companies saying, hey, can we possibly make our marketplace like really tightly calcified and controlled so we can manipulate them? And- I mean, it's like those, it's like the Wednesday Warriors, you know, and they're yeah. the real comics fan, you know, uh, you know, I'm the target demographic. And I'm like, are you? 
Like, but by the way, was, uh, explain Wednesday Warriors because not everyone knows what that means. And that just refers to a very okay here in the U.S. at least comics, new comics come out every Wednesday, and so you're like you know diehard committed Wednesday Warrior fan is someone who comes in every Wednesday to buy their pull list. Yeah. I have a pull list. I don't come in every week because I work constantly, and so I just show up at the end of the month and get my shit. But, yeah, like. I'm kind of in that space and kind of not because I'm yeah. always I'm always in liminal spaces. That's been my whole fucking life. So now, now here's the thing: I in Australia, we don't get our comic releases on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. They're usually the first. They're usually the first Monday of a month, if I understand things correctly. But I still knew what them, the fuck you meant just, by Wednesday they drop Warrior. Like that? They all yeah, drop uh, just at the first of the month. We're we're kind of beholden to shipping lanes, man. Right. Well, no. <laughs> Pacific Ocean. <laughs> I'm surprised it's not, well, I'm not surprised, but I'm surprised Diamond doesn't just have a distribution center there and print stuff, but I guess. I believe our distribution center in our area is in China. Okay. Cause so, everything goes through China. This, I mean, even the, this weird conversation we're having right now is a whole thing about Diamond being bullshit and f- fuck Diamond. Yeah, that <laughs> is inside baseball. That is, that is so inside. Yeah. Like explain, but- <laughs> explaining Diamond to any adult human who doesn't already know what Diamond is, they will think you're making it up because it doesn't sound like it should even exist or work. That's not how people understand rational markets to behave. It's like Are you saying the law let this company have a monopoly because (laughs) technically it's not- It's like, like, ah, fucking- Yeah, like you have to go to some like Econ 101 bullshit to explain why Diamond shouldn't exist and then go into like 201 to explain why it does. And anyone else looks at you and goes, why don't they go to someone else? And you're like, well, they- Comics are weird. Yeah, the fucking industry is weird. And then Anyway, anyway. But yeah, they've been like- we can look at the like ma- and I, we're I inside. This. We're yeah. inside. So for us, this is just so difficult to explain and so frustrating. But we still have this point of empathy because we both hate fucking diamond. <laughs> but she, the fucking thing I don't get is there are large amounts of like major influencing like voices who are like le- like influencers, so and so, so to speak, of like the fandom, and could be guiding discussions about this sort of thing and don't. I never hear them do it. It never comes up in, like, major, like, you know, comics channels and stuff like that. None of them are ever saying, hey, did you kids know that this one? You know, like, they could bring it up every time, but they will discuss, even though they know, you know they have to know, they will discuss, like, the industry and, like, the mediums and the, and the genre and this, and this terminology that just basically reinforces what they want to think, mm-hmm. you know? It's a constant, like, reinforcement of the idea of a meritocracy. And, oh, hey, if your book is popular enough, it'll sell, and that'll be it. I'm like, yo, fuck you. Uh, like, like fucking Thundercats, right? And these, all yeah. these folks, people who should know better. And, it, like, there was a conversation about, like, oh, nobody watched Thundercats. All right. First of all, <laughs> fuck that. <laughs> it's like Young Justice. Oh, my God. If I could go on about the toy situation about ju- Young Justice, right? Not, yeah. and, and, and not even what you, what the, like normal people would think, because the, the story has come to be that girls watch Young Justice, girls don't buy toys, so Young Justice, you know, ran off a of toy sales, which is stupid in and of itself, yeah. and so, you know, it tanked. That's A, not entirely what he said, but not, you mm-hmm. know, wrong, and B, only the tip of the problem, because the company that made those toys is fucking terrible at selling toys. Yeah. 
Yeah, like, uh, and, and this, this connects us. Let me tell you, they're bad at it. This this connects us back to that earlier conversation about marketing. Like, gamer is an identity that a marketer created and then distributed to people who liked video games. And oh, yeah. the same thing's true. Marketing is an amazing business where if you fail, it's everyone else's fault. So, yeah. like, Young Justice, the marketing company is like, okay, our job is to get toy sales- and part of what we're doing for to sell these toys is making a television show that showcases these characters to an audience. And if the toy sales fail, it's because the audience did something wrong. Not, not that, you know, we accidentally made something that appealed to a secondary audience or, or we didn't have the right product in place or we didn't consider that girls buy this stuff too. It oh, really God, was. Our distribution channels are terrible. We only have like five of these. Have you ever seen a Young Justice action figure telling? No. And uh, 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 Australia, Australia. So that's actually not representative at all. Like, I, have, talent, I never saw them in real stores. I saw them after the fact in specialty shops. Yeah. Yeah. Because they were target, uh, 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 excuse me. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like, even, like, you look at fucking, like, and this is part of the changing of the industry. You look at game shops and comic shops and book shops. They're becoming fandom shops. Yes. Right? None of them are just selling the thing that they used to sell 10 years from now, like before. Right? Yeah. They're all, like, full of Funko Pops and full of, like, five other things. Like, you could go to any game store and probably buy some comics for the thing that's coming out just because they have to sell everything, because they have to sell you fandom. Do you want to know? know where I get my comics from when I want to buy them? GameStop, I'm sure. A place called DVD World. <laughs> I get my play from a toy store. Toy store downtown. That's where I get my shit from, mostly because the actual comic store in town is run by a weird asshole, but it was a toy store for, like, two years that sold, like, comics off of one shelf until they moved to a bigger place. Yeah. Because even toy stores can't just be toy stores anymore. See, yeah. well, I was going to say something about Toys R Us, but that's a different issue, issue altogether, so. Well, I mean, considered here in Australia, uh, like, Toys R Us has a store in our area. Had. Uh, and that store was sitting in the middle of what we call industrial park. Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> toy stores as a thing kind of aren't a thing. Mm-hmm. And again, like, this is, like, we've reached that place where now what they're selling to you is fandom. Because, like, that's how they maintain their life, you know, at this point. Yeah, no, Planet Fun. I love the place. They're nice. It, it's a toy store, though. Like, half of it is, like, it's a fandom store. Half is toys, half is games, and there's a spot in the middle for comics now. Yeah. It's, and it's, it, and again, that you go that, you go there to experience, like, fandom in a physical place, because that's what it is. It's a, it's a marketing thing these days. And it, and it sucks that a lot of, we've, we all of us in some way got, got, you know? Like, it, that's, we're all part of it now. And, it's hard to get out of it. Like you can, you can wrap yourself. I used to fucking say like, like, and I feel like there's at least one YouTube channel that may have like come about because of this sentiment, not necessarily from me, but the idea of like, well, you know, fandom isn't a culture in and of itself because it's not something you can live, but like it kind of is now you can wake up in your Superman underwear, drink from your Superman mug, eat your Superman snacks, get in your Superman car and go to your you can, they're, they're literally, there literally is a Black Panther car. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I 
laugh. I heard someone describe, I don't know, it was someone talking about, I think they were talking about Black Lightning, and they're like, man, I mean, it's not as big as that Lexus commercial, but it's still pretty good. <laughs> I was like, fuck. Dang. I did like that Lexus commercial. <laughs> not, just, not the commercial, I just liked the movie that was a commercial. <laughs> ah. Um, the, well, the, the, so, the thing, like, on, and yeah, like, one, one of the things that we have here is that fandom is something that corporations have a view of. Like, they actually have this vision of what fandom is, and that's, in a large part, Star Wars' fault, by the way. Like, there were before it, Megos and, and, and Flash Gordon and all that stuff, but the thing that really got, like, this top-down one company commanding a massive empire of economic action in thousands of different ways and a culture of owning and collecting really got turbocharged by Star Wars. And so throughout most of the 70s and 80s, companies were like, hey, can we do a Star's War? And like when Reagan fucking, amongst the many things that Reagan ruined, deregulating children's advertising was a big one. And that's where we get fucking, I am swearing so much this time. Um, that's where we get the the whole explosion <laughs> of 1980s buy all our playsets and toys games. And, and stuff like we joke about that, but that is actually what they were. And there were so many of them. Hey, so in case y'all want to talk about Thundercats being um, ruined, uh, reminder, Thundercats fucking suck. And it was a tour commercial. So, yeah. Yeah. And if you want good Thundercats, it happened <laughs> in 2011. There yeah. were 26 episodes. Go watch it. Yeah. It was good. It's got it KMR good. in it. But like, I, I again, can't think of a single thing KMR has done that sucked. You know what? Tri- well, well, some people would say that that his Joker from the Batman was a bad Joker because he was like a kung fu monkey man. Oh God! I actually think the Batman wasn't as bad as people give it, but that was a bad direction to go with the I'm, Joker. At first, they evened it out. Just, I like that he didn't wear shoes. I don't know why he never wore shoes, but he never wore shoes. Ah, uh, yeah. Anyway. The- <laughs> okay, so we may have one thing. Uh, K- sorry, KMR is Kevin Michael it's, Richardson, it's, and it's 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 a matter. And again, of I'll put it like that's that. an ins. And, and, but the, again, right there, it's another inside thing. I dropped KMR's initials, and you knew who the fuck I was talking about. Yeah, but uh, it's the <laughs> Cats and He Man mystified me because those toys still sell, and yep. media based on them don't get made. But once every like fifteen, twenty years, and I'm like. And again, by the way, Mattel, the company that makes Thundercats and He-Man, is also the company that poorly distributes DC action figures. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. And, uh, poorly makes. and and Hasbro, who are one of the other evil empires in this situation, are responsible for Magic the Gathering, the original loot box. Magic the Gathering, uh, Marvel uh, action figures, uh, uh, Marvel action figures, Power Rangers, just all of Power Rangers now. The My Little Pony RPG, which exists. And that's not even getting into the, like, you know, the all-encompassing Disney Hydra monster that is our future. Yeah. Where we all, like, you know, up some surfing to Disney, Amazon, and Google, and... (laughs) Yeah. And, And so corporations and entities like marketplace entities have one view of fandom, which is it's a handle. It's a thing that they can produce stuff for, and... Worse, it's a thing they can take stuff from. So, uh, hey kids, who wants to learn the depressing word of the day? I thought we did colonialism already. 
we did colonialism. That one's that one's the depressing word of the well, most well, of we the seventeenth through the twenty first so century. This is we're, we're getting all the depression in now. Okay, so there is a word that the BBC coined in an internal paper. Is this management again? It's management, <laughs> and. Fanagement was a word that they did a trial balloon for with the idea of in this new age where fans make shit and promote shit and share stuff to one another, we can do things that make it easy for fans in those spaces to do that. And as a direct result, make our shows basically tumblerable. Mm. This and is where the whole, this is where like very obvious queer baiting comes in. Very obvious queer baiting is one of those things, um, though, to, to be as fair as I can, the original paper mostly looked at it in terms of shipping. The mm. fact that it wound up being queer baiting is more of a byproduct of the kind of audiences who are really thirsty for shipping. Um, there's, if you, if you look at BBC television shows from around the 1990s, you'll actually mm. notice that the backgrounds and color, color grading are all really sharp. It, it wants to make very bright looking scenes. Uh, this is often because it was very easy for the BBC to shoot outside because they already had like the cameras and everything that, and, and they already had like spaces set aside for that because they're a government organization. As of mm. Torchwood onward, BBC TV shows will almost always have their important scenes in low contrast environments. Often character wearing dark clothes in a dark space, so there's only really a small amount of them that changes. And this is literally to make that scene easily turn into gifs. <laughs> this is what the paper included. It was like, hey, if we make our, if we make important scenes or scenes with ambiguous tension or scenes that seem kind of sexy, if we make those scenes easily gifable, fans spread them easier. Is this better or worse than that Sony email about like Spider Man and all the shit and like mudding? That- <laughs> uh, the thing, the thing here is that because that feels like it's ignoring the fandom and just going with its own like market analysis. Stuff. Okay, yeah. You know so, what I mean? so that that's the thing. They're both management. It's just Sony are garbage at it. <laughs> and, and a large portion of why Sony are garbage at it is because they don't have any meaningful way to connect or anchor their work or find their work in the greater fan community. This is a problem Sony has in general when it comes to doing management projects and dealing with its fandom because what happens when you search for Spider-Man? <sighs> what oh, happens when you search for Spider-Man movie? Right? Well, yeah. It's really hard for them when you go to open slather places like Tumblr and and um, and archive of our own and those kind of places and do uh, a, like a dig down into what you actually have people talking about and what you have people engaging with. Like the Amazing Spider-Man movies didn't move the needle. It wasn't suddenly there's a lot more talk or a lot more gifs or a lot more stuff about Spider-Man going on. It's just, yeah, this is Spider-Man and Spider-Man is going to continue to be Spider-Man and everyone knows about Spider-Man. So Sony really were in the dark and that led to them doing a lot of stuff to try and like hit like generic fan markers, you know? Uh, so it's, it's been somewhat mean spiritedly pointed out. The first of the amazing Spider-Man movies uh, draws a lot of influence cinematographically from Twilight and like, normally I will stand up and say, hey, don't be so mean to make, like, a really basic comparison that's often kind of misogynistic. But no, really, literally and deliberately, uh, they tried to tap a Twilight market with Spider-Man. 
Because it was the only uh, option they could think of. Yeah. And that's why well, it's... But here's the thing. Like, alright, so I really... You know, Spider-Man was very important to me coming up, and I probably wouldn't be into comics as much as I am if it wasn't for Spider-Man. But, like, I'm okay with, like, the Spider-Man, the, the Twilight crowd having Spider-Man if it just breaks up, like, superhero media a bit more. Like, a mainstream... Yeah. Because of the thing, too, right? There's a thing about, like, big fandoms and small fandoms and, like, mainstream fandoms. For a long time, like, regardless of, like, the community around these groups and what have you, like, in the sense that, like, if X, if, if you know, X big name becomes this group's character and that's cemented that has a major change of things you know yeah bigger bigger even than say you know the introduction of a new character who carves out their own niche you know if tomorrow you know batman stops being what he is to those people and becomes like a completely different thing for a new community that will radically shift uh the the nature of the media you know like say making captain america a nazi yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, that. <sighs> He's not even my boy. <laughs> uh, apparently, he is. <laughs> He's got a lot of yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But even just the fucking. That's like how, like, recursive. That's the thing about fandom affects the media, which it can be a good thing and a bad thing, right? Yeah. Because. Um, the, the, um, the Doctor Who example led to a fan remix of the Doctor Who theme being used as the specific theme for the Peter, Cata- Peter Capaldi series of mm. of Doctor Who. And that fan got catapulted from dicking around on SoundCloud and Tumblr to a full-time paying job at the BBC. And that's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, that's the other that, Again, that's a good and a bad thing because yeah. on the one hand, like, <laughs> A, you're having, you know, you're, you're, you're bringing in new voices and you're changing things and you're, you know, invigorating things. And even if the people aren't coming in, their opinions and are affecting. It's not just studio execs and the same old voices. But at the same time, that's like self, that's self, uh, repeating. It's self-fulfilling. Yeah. You, it, be, it becomes the only people who contribute to this medium are the people who have been following it forever. And that just now, spins around on itself. Now, yeah. to, to use a counterpoint to that, um, that said, Transformers. Okay. You know, right? Transformers is your house. So that's- I know, I know. This is, well, welcome to my house. Transformers Generation 1 sucked. I, I, I loved it, but I was a stupid kid, and it was designed to appeal to a stupid kid. And even as a stupid kid, I still looked at it and went, hang on, that's a plot hole, isn't it? Now, the movie came out, and they, like, accidentally made a classic movie, which is really weird and doesn't happen very often. And then they had years and years of making more Transformers. And they made Beast Wars, and Beast Wars was so amazing because it was better than Generation 1. But fast forward through a few extra iterations, and we get to Transformers Animated. Transformers Animated was basically made by Transformers fans. It was mm-hmm. it was a Transformers series made entirely by people who had grown up with Transformers an- uh, as a thing in their lives. And Transformers Animated is probably the best Transformers series that exists. And it's one of the most approachable because you don't need to know a huge amount of canon lore and backstory. You don't need to be able to manage 40 fucking characters. You don't need a reference sheet to keep straight what's going on. It's cooked down. It's approachable. It's kid-friendly. It's funny and it's thoughtful and and it's full of heart. And that's because you have someone who not only cared about it, but someone who was capable of trying to ensure that it could connect to people. So, like, it's not even always a bad thing that 
that the fandom cycle becomes self-referential. Oh, I'm not disagreeing with that, but it's not always a good thing either. I mean, you no, can look it's at not. most of the superhero comics media, where pretty much everyone who's a big name now was a big fan in the 80s and 70s. Yeah. And a lot of the, you can see some good things there, but you can also see a lot of the structural flaws that come from that, you know? I've, I've made fun of the, I've made fun of the Spider-Man and Hawkeye effect already, haven't I? Uh, Spider-Man and Hawkeye? So there are lots of authors who growing up quite clearly saw themselves in Spider-Man or Hawkeye. Oh, and right, when they right, took right, over right. writing those characters, they proceeded to write those characters as what they would want, which is that period where there was like, you know, does Spider-Man have to be married with a kid? Can can Spider-Man still be youngish despite being 33? Can I mean this cuz cuz 33 is not that old, you know. This <laughs> person turning 33. <laughs> I do wonder though how much of that is also like fucking like, you know, market stuff. Like, oh, he's not young for the kids, you know? That mentality. I mean, it's probably a, a balance of both. Like that makes that horrible stew. But again, it's 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 there really should be like some kind of like conscious effort to counteract it when necessary to say, all right, all right, everybody raise your hands. Okay, who all has been reading since there's a kid? All right, there's too many of us in here. Some of us need to get the fuck out, you know? Well, yeah, I guess. But at the same time, like, what are you going to do when it comes to Star Wars? How, how are you going to find someone who wants to make movies who hasn't given a shit about Star Wars since they were a kid? Like, I'm pretty sure that's a- It's basically you and me, and we don't want to make movies, so- Nah, 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 there's people- Come on, come on. I'd give it a- Look, if they gave me $60 million, I'd give it a crack, alright? But- No, what I'm saying is, there's people. (laughs) You can find people, right? Like, there's no- There's- That- In any particular angle, there's someone who's like, Yeah, it's okay, I guess. Like- Yeah. You know? This has to be- But then are you saying that that person's not a Star Wars fan? Sure, why not? Well, that's the thing. Who who says whether or not you are a fan? Them. If they say I'm not a fan, I just think it's all right. You know? Yeah. All right. Fine. But that's the thing. It's it's it, you're, you're allowing a self declaration, and that's again that whole ownership and demand thing. So so we say like fandom, and there's fandom as the corporations see it. There's fandom as gatekeepers see it. There's fandom as academics see it, and I think that the academic view of fandom is like the most like. It, for the, it's, it's the one that's got the most writing about it that's also, like, the most desperately optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, so want this to be good. <laughs> yeah. Please don't fuck this up. <laughs> yeah. How's that working out, by the way? Uh, look, so there's this academic by the name of Paul Booth, who is in particular important to me because he wrote a book called Paratextuality in Board Games, and that's, like, really useful for me, and it was part of my honors thesis. Um... And he's teaching at a university, and in his class, he does a whole unit of media studies, which is like, here is how media studies works. Like, here's all the basic concepts told through just Harry Potter. Mm. So you can sign up for Harry Potter studies. And in the first first class, they divide you up into, like, houses and sit you around the room. And, like, if that gets a lot more students to pay attention to media studies, then, yeah, that's actually, that's actually working out real well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do that class. <laughs> you're gonna have to one of these days, man. I'm gonna have to teach gonna, that class one of these days. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have. You and Harry Potter are gonna have to put your differences aside. <laughs> Why are there no Robotech classes? I want to know. What? Where? Where is the unit on Silverhawks 101? <laughs> <laughs> man, you know what? 
You put the work in, you can teach that common rider class. We're still waiting <laughs> on that. Mm. Well, that good news. That's underway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You heard it here first. All right. So there, there is part of the problem of of the fandom. What do you even mean? Like, yeah. I don't consider myself part of the fandom that wants to own and control it. I don't see myself as as part of comic book fans that can't talk about it. Mm. And can't talk about it in like like you you lost me on that one. I need I need Okay. So 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 th- so there is a view of fandom that's like there's a correct interpretation of canon. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the kind of nerd fight you'll get into where someone will say, oh, this is a detail about Hawkeye. And then someone else will be like, no, that's wrong because blah, 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 blah. And then after that argument is over, between those two people, there's like an agreed upon consensus that one was right and the other one wasn't. Even if they don't, like, say it. And that kind of, like, there is a true version of canon. So we can't really talk about, like, different interpretations and and possible spaces or, or omitting stuff. I don't consider myself part of that fandom incidentally for like consider i have massive beef with hawkeye right (laughs) i nonetheless saw a absolutely heartwarming uh like picture set someone compiled of a whole bunch of sequences of hawkeye doing sign language in a comic and that was solo right i remember that and that was beautiful and i was like that's really sweet and cool and the thing is the fact that i'm mad at hawkeye for kissing moonstone in fucking 2002 Oh, God. Uh, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> like, that's not actually important. I can have these, like, I can have different takes and different interpretations of the the same text, and it's okay. <laughs> and, like, as a consumer, I don't buy enough comics to be good fandom. I don't even, like, I don't, I, I mean, technically speaking, because I help sell uh, like third party referential media, like the t-shirt designs and whatnot, I'm technically kind of like an, a bad fandom. I mean, technically what we're doing here is like, fandom. It's fa- yeah, mean, it's, it's absolutely. It's very blatantly and un, like ambiguously like fandom media production or something. Absolutely. Fandom content. Uh, creation? The, the term you're looking for is producage. Fandom. We, there's a thing. <laughs> hey, sorry, but it's true. Um, there's you a thing we want. <laughs> there's a thing we want in the world, and no one else was making it, so we made it. Yeah, and it's it's yeah, man. It's 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 just so odd. And it's 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 again. This is, was was is and was, going, was always going to be like a big long conversation. Us just like hashing shit out that way. You know, yeah. you had a good long episode of me enthusiastically yelling about things, and yeah. so now <laughs> existential horror. Yeah, here's a bunch of. Uh, yeah, look, I, it's very easy to, to, um, to struggle with this kind of stuff and then at some point say, oh, it's too hard and give up. Like that's, that, that there's a deliberate nihilism in a lot of, especially fandom discussions, a sort of like mm. this, this is too hard to get to a good place or changing anything would be too hard. So bleh, let's not bother. And yeah. at the end, we can always come back to like, are you impacting or hurting other people? And I don't mean like super, super assiduous. Your interpretation of this character is, is making me uncomfortable or, or, or violates my headcanon or something like that. Like, Cause that, that's also a type of um, ownership. That's, that's one of the things about that fuss with Steven universe. That's such a frustrating problem 
because realistically speaking, so to, to, to get you up to speed, a couple of years ago now, so an artist drew fan art of the character Amethyst from Steven Universe and drew her, like, I can't remember the art itself, so I'm not going to offer interpretation, but let's say drew her skinny. Now, while it is true in mass media that there are a lot more skinny characters than there are fat characters, and there are a lot more positively represented skinny characters than fat characters, and there's a whole bunch of reasons why, like, if a company did this, it, you know, be perfectly good idea to side-eye them on that. But when it's a fan producing fan art, the correct response is to not shit on them. You can You can even talk to them about it, like, as an actual human being would, and say, hey- why did you do this? Can we talk about why you did this? I'm interested to know this. But the end result of those conversations should probably still wind up as like, oh, well, move on with my goddamn life. But instead, we had a a fandom group rose up and harassed this person to the point where they, you know, ran off the internet. <clears throat> There's also like a... This is why you're weird. There's also like some space between like dragging and harassment and like... Yeah. Even if you, like, this, this even, this like, a bit of wiggle room for shitting on someone without becoming a fucking monster. And, nope, well, pe- motherfuckers don't have, r- r- you know, the range for that. It's like, either no or everything. It's either ignore or attack. Yeah. And part of that, too, is like, a lot of how modern culture engages with media is, like, we're getting in this weird space where, like, on the one hand, you're engaging with, like, massive corporate, like, media creatures. But on the other hand, like, this stuff is made by people. You know, like, real human beings made this thing. That's part of the value of it, is that you're getting access to another person's, like, you know, state of mind, the creation of them, or, like, they're, like something from their heart. And so, on one level, you can be, like, yelling at just, like, you know, yelling at DC. But then, on the other hand, you're yelling at, like... A group of writers, or a group of actors, or an actor or actress. And it's like, yo, yo, and bring, and bring let's the fuck let's in, not you know let let's not let's not also hide the fact that the people who get yelled at the most are almost inevitably women and otherwise people of color. Oh yeah, yeah. like and it's never the right person. Shock horror, shock horror. The shitty about- people will find a an Asian girl or a black guy to yell at. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All that all that fucking like. Um, uh, the fucking Ghostbusters shit, they, they picked the one black woman, like, yo, there's like four white girls in that show. Yeah. Y'all ignore yeah. that movie, excuse me. And apparently one of them's transphobic, and like, you know, that crowd didn't come out for that. Mm. Weird. Mm. And there's also the way that, like, the, the stories of a fan getting harassed off the internet, it's almost always a kid. That's, that's the whole thing with fucking, like, I'm always, like, I've gotten so uncomfortable watching people shit on Sonic just because I know it's a bunch of, like, grown-ass adults fucking with kids drawing their little animals. I'm like, yo, fuck off, man. Who cares? Mm-hmm. It's like, ah. Like, I can't even. I can't even, like, be like, hey, this Sonic game was bad anymore because I can just, I can just feel, like, the fucking, that, that fucking gif, I mean, that, that image of, like, the four fat dudes sitting in the kiddie pool and, like, the two little kids crying, like, every time. Sonic comes up. That's all I hear. That's all I feel. Yeah. It's those motherfuckers. Yeah. It's like the ponies. It's like that shit is just ugh. I can't even. And I can't. I keep hearing. And, oh, and a part good of show. What, it's like I can't even. I can't even look at pony material anymore because of that. It's just yeah. Ugh. I I have and like there's an added element here in that we absolutely should. 
be in a position where we can have these conversations criticizing and engaging with this media because the fact that we care about it is proof that it matters. We don't need, like, it's not a matter of like, oh, no, you shouldn't be getting mad about ponies. No, get mad about ponies, by all means. I want to I want to hear people writing, you know, 5,000 word dissertations on the betrayal of Discord's character as represented by the previous themes in the four seasons going forward. But fucking- Put that somewhere other than the inbox of a 16-year-old girl who drew Discord with a happy face on. Like, it's- it really comes down to how you're impacting other people, and there is so much stuff that is conspicuously and deliberately finding people to hurt. And that's the thing that I really hate about this. I- real talk, y'all can- y'all can go back to the first episode and hear me yelling about this exact thing, or I can't even edit- and I'm sure, you know, put some people off. I kind of feel bad about that. but <laughs> Because it sounds like all those other motherfuckers. And I can't do anything about that. Yeah. But, like, constantly hedge. Like, I can say, eh, I'm not too big in a Teen Titans go, you know? But, like, those motherfuckers make such a loud, awful noise about the show. I gotta, like, shrug and be like, eh, okay, I guess. Yeah. It, it, it can't even, you can't even fucking get into that space. Because of how fucking to- toxic toxic is the word that goes around a lot it's like problematic yeah. you know it barely yeah. means anything anymore but and and like there are and and the worst thing is that we're always sitting here saying everyone does it there are absolutely some people who do it more mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like we like, can it- point to the incident of a steven universe fan and a steven universe writer being actively harassed the for for fucking gail simone swims in a soup of it <laughs> oh god like that uh, is amanda too, connor right? Same thing. I mean, and, as we oh said, my god, they're... have you ever have you ever looked at um, Saladin Ahmed or Tanahisi Coates's mentions? Like Tanahisi oh, Coates well, is not on Twitter anymore, like, but like Jesus, yeah, yeah, no shit, right? Hey, there you go. Like, well, we know. I mean, that's part of that life. Like, they were getting that before. Like, that's that's the thing too, right? And again, yeah. Like, do, and, and do you bring up the non-change in atmosphere? Yeah, and but then. Uh, and then there's that whole instance of we can talk about that incident where a bunch of actual like dis- uh, comic shop owners and managers went to uh and this is a weird intersection of like fandom slash collection slash distribution slash like creators because you have these guys who are in, like the most like te- uh, what I'm referring to is instance where you know like. Around about this time last year and a little bit before, there was all this talk about how Marvel was failing despite still being at the top of the industry in sales, you know? And, you know, how, you know, is, is diversity, is it this, is it that, is the third. And they had a meeting with lots of, you know, distributors, lots of retailers, comic retailers, like basically mm. small business owners, where these motherfuckers were just yelling homophobic slurs at the guys. Mm. And, like, the thing is, these guys were all people who were at some point comic book fans. And now are a big chunk of like their their choke points that you want to talk about gatekeeping. They own actual doors that are you yeah. know that keep people away from media. You know, if it wasn't for digital distribution, they would be actual literal keeper keepers of real physical gates. Yeah, and they're going up and they're saying just the foulest shit. And so you know when this motherfucker comes up and says something like that, he ain't got no meaningful critique to offer beyond you know. Hmm. Yeah. That that's not a conversation. That's not someone who wants to be part of a conversation. That's not you know, that's not the creative element of fandom. That's gatekeeping. And that's also, again, 
I don't. It's not I like comics. It's I like hating people. Yeah, but even still, like these are people who are like my business is comics. I influence the business more than. Even and because of the way you know the the pre order system works, they influence the business of comics more than even the fans because they're the ones making the pre orders that determine the sales that keeps the books running. You know that books will ten years down the line get turned into movies, which is the way everything is discussed these days. Mm-hmm. And um, back in back in nineteen ninety nine, there was a TV show called Spaced. Uh, mm-hmm. Simon Pegg wrote for it um, yeah. and started it, and it it honestly it's a really really good. Uh, show I quite liked it um, and back then in 1999 there was a recurrent character who was the comic book store owner who was abusive and dismissive of customers as a thing like it was enough of a joke that they were like yeah we can put this on a sitcom and everyone's gonna get it fuck it dude back in the fucking night was it 92 when the Simpsons came out yeah, comic book guy. That like it's he's a joke, but he's a real fucking person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and comic book guys like first appearance was like uh, okay, this? here we go. <laughs> Wikipedia, May ninth, nineteen ninety one. See, it's been, it's that old, and it's like has it gone anywhere? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, and that's fandom because you know that's where you go to get your stuff, and again that that. Mr. If that guy rolls up and is is feels comfortable enough yelling "You're a homo" to a, a Marvel like uh, editor or publisher, and then he goes home and what decides to pre-order what books to determine the sales of things, right? Yeah, is he gonna fucking order a bunch of issues of Midnighter, even if someone would come in and buy it? Probably the fuck not. So yeah. now all of a sudden, Midnighter's not selling. Now all of a sudden, that guy is influenced into the industry, and he's still a part of the fandom, you know. He's yeah, not a, he's not a vocal minority, and he's not that fandom over there. He owns the fucking shop. You don't get more yeah. in than and, that. And like the 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 same thing is true of like um, Homestuck, mm. and to a lesser extent, <laughs> it's it's uh, like certain connected web spaces where uh, this is thing that that whole idea of like oh no, it's it's not it's not like the, the bad people aren't us. And then you actually ask these people to explain what they're about, and they can't. It's like you. See, the thing you is, can't. That's another thing is where, like, yeah. all right, see, I went through Homestuck. You like, I know you were like outside. You didn't get in. I was in till the end. I'm Homestuck so sorry, man. It's fandom. I'm, I'm sorry too. It, it hurts. <laughs> it was not a pleasant experience, but after a certain point, you just have to see it end. It's like Naruto. And yeah. But Homestuck very explicitly and intentionally hated its, like, fuck with its fandom. In a way, like, you want to talk about management? You want to talk about, like, actually doing things to fuck with the fandom and just, like, losing the thread of whatever the hell you were doing just to top and take, like, a minute to introduce... I'm be ri- I am literally, literally describing a thing that happened. Introduce 12 characters who each represented a different form of your fandom and how much you did not like them. There was a Tumblr guy, there was a shipper guy, there was a fucking, like, obsessive guy, there was, like, a other kid. There were 12 trolls! They were all trolls. But 12 trolls, each of them was a different, like, aspect of the fandom. And that was mm-hmm. after the first 18 characters. Yeah. That that level of weird phantom interaction is just beyond me. Somebody, and at the same time... people paid, like, $5,000 to have their fan trolls show up for one panel and then die. Yeah. Well... That the, the the problem there is that you do have that that kind of like from the inside you have that perspective, but 
those people that were being made fun of by those by those trolls didn't go oh hey this fan this show doesn't like me maybe i should knock it the fuck off they went ah see yeah we're part of that and we're like that yeah i mean that's the that's the whole what's it called irony poisoning thing where you're just like in it too deep it's like fucking you know it's the rick and morty kids you know rolling around on the mcdonald's table you know it's it's that level and it's that interaction. That's part of where, like, the internet is... Leave that old, but I feel like I'm saying this very old thing where I say, like, the internet has fucked up the way, you know, fandom interacts. Because now you have, you know, Andrew Hussey directly interacting with his fandom as mm-hmm. he's creating things. And shit changes before it's even finished being made, you know? And that's that angle of... And again, that's the difference between, like, modern media and old media. Because a comics writer will, you know, talk to you about something and maybe change their opinion on something they were about to do but they're already four months out so good to fuck luck right like maybe you'll see this in six months but whatever you say to them that may or may not have altered their opinion it's not gonna come up you say some shit to andrew hussey on his forums two weeks later there it is yeah a day later there it is which is like a a a thing that like fandoms can get addicted to like accessible creators are a real problem um there's kind of like but again, the other side of that is like just the face of the corporation, and then you just yell at whoever you see, right? Because you want to yell at the corporation, and all you see is uh, Kelly Marie Tran. So, oh, we're gonna yell at her instead of at Disney. Because how do you yell at Disney? Disney is everywhere, you know. Regardless of what your actual beef may or may not be, the point here is she was mm. accessible, so they got her, you know. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and, and and the thing is that also then gets the problem of like there is actually a active hating people or active hating women online like group. So there's already an existing problem there of like just so happens that you can tap into a giant brigade of people who will yell at anything that represents an ideological problem, and so like every fandom has this capacity to become cross infected with this existing bubble of awful. And I say I say awful because. I don't want to say it's just fascism because there are definitely lefty people who are just as awful. It yeah. it it's not just the 4chan crew. Yeah, but then that's the other thing too is you fall into this problem where it's like, do you want to be those both sides motherfuckers? No, yeah, no. I really don't. <laughs> but it's like, ugh. Like again, it's like, yo, and we say it again. Like we got that one like Steven Universe incident, and we have a whole fucking movement and possibly an entire election of the other. So what's the real yeah, truth? Then, like right, you know. Like, and what, and, and what? today, CalArts is shut down. Right now, as we record this, CalArts is shut down. I'm sorry, what? I didn't hear this. Yeah, someone made a shooting threat at CalArts over uh, what the oh, FBI okay. announcing was possibly related okay. to the Thundercats cartoon. Jesus fucking Christ! Yeah. Okay. All right. See, you say that's just shut today. Down. You say shut down, and I have a different mentality. That's still awful. Oh, but I'm like, oh no, no business. No, 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 no. Cal- Cal Arts is currently not letting students come onto campus because there's a chance yes, yes. someone's there with a gun. Like, <laughs> I don't know what the proper terminology is for that, Clay, because that's not a thing that fucking happens here. Oh, the term is lockdown. Right, okay. Yeah, Cal Arts is on lockdown. Yes. Right now. Because- We Because lo- I thought- We hospital every time some shooting or something, or an incident may occur, so I- And we've had lockdowns at school before for other reasons. I God. Lockdowns. But yeah, like, Jesus fucking Christ, y'all, it's a fucking car- it wasn't a good cartoon when it was good! Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, yeah. And, and let's face it, the fact that it's being made in the Steven Universe style doesn't mean you're not gonna see tons of porn of Chitara, which, let's face it, that's a lot of the reason why people care. 
there's lots of a point of uh of the Steven Universe characters. In, in fact, in fact, while I'm offering sick burns on Thundercats, the original Thundercats series was about the fantasy of a 12-year-old boy being able to look around and act and be respected as if he was 40. The new one is basically a bunch of 40-year-old men wanting to feel like they're 12 again. All right? Fuck off with your belief that the original series was good. <laughs> and another thing, Hard Boiled doesn't- Sorry. <laughs> Saving that for the article. He's half <laughs> But, yeah, like, this is, as with many of the topics we touch on, this is just such a huge thing, and it's really hard to to dig down into it. And the worst thing is that superhero comics, which is ostensibly what this podcast is about, uh, superhero comics get to sit in this really nasty parallel space where we are established and old, and we have enormous cultural cachet, but we aren't the big show. We aren't in charge, which means that a lot of- a lot of the worst things about comic books are kind of things that have been under-examined for a very long time. Like, even even a lot of our creators are gatekeepy dicks. Like, you, can, you, like you, you could literally do a show, just a whole episode of reading off incidents of various comic book creators being ungracious assholes about someone liking their stuff wrong. But, again, I, I don't want to- like, bring up the whole Rorschach thing, but there is the Rorschach thing. There's the Rorschach thing. <laughs> like, sh- shouldn't those, shouldn't you look at those guys and, like, don't like that wrong? Because of, like, and again, that comes back to the issue of, like, certain ideologies and certain characters lead to certain directions more than others. Well, you know, there's a baseline of bullshit, and some bullshit gets, like, a- you know, gets amplified, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's the whole and thing I, of, I like, want, hey, it's like Rick and Morty. I want like, to have... Oh, God. Yeah, go on. Like, because, like, have you ever watched any of it? I watched the first seven minutes of an episode and found it so boring I stopped. Yeah, there is an undercurrent of, like, Rick getting his in some episodes. I don't think it's as much as some people want to give it credit for, but there is a lot of, hey, Rick is bad and he suffers for it. You know, it's not like South yeah. Park, where Cartman always wins, you know? Yeah. Like, if, if Rick is, if Rick is like Cartman, he loses somewhat often, but, like, it's never as hard as it could be to hammer that point on to its audience. And I think it, it yeah. does attract those motherfuckers in that way, you know? So, like, as a as a critic of the work, I would say that that's a lot like the Punisher having a Second Amendment conversation. <laughs> which is, it doesn't matter how you want to frame the conversation you're starting, you're still putting it in the fucking Punisher. You're still, you're still solving your- like, they are still the solution to your problem, so- which yeah. was, again, what I say, what's the real truth then? And yeah, it, it, has, it has all the depth and strength and conviction of the, the fucking pro-segregation episode of um, Robin and um, Speedy. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a thing that happened. And you might have forgotten it happened, but it fucking happened. Motherfucker, you don't, I don't still, you have fully, like, accepted the reality of Tyrock. So, I don't even know where you're at. Wait, hang on, what? Got- Oh, um, Legion of Superheroes. So in Legion of Superheroes- Oh, right. I think you said Tyrogue, and I'm like, that's- That's a fucking Pokemon. I I haven't played with Tyrogue for years. Why- Why would you bring that thing up? (laughs) No, Tyrock, the black guy with yelling powers, which is far more common than electric powers, I'll have you know. And he lives on a magical disappearing island of black people, because all the black people decided in like the 12th century- You know, 31st century, that they would just go live on a disappearing island, and that would solve all their problems. So that's why you didn't see any black people 
in Legion of Superheroes. <laughs> Until Tyrock showed up. This was like in the 70s or the 80s. That's, that's some return of Miss Marvel shit right there. I can't believe you don't know about Tyrock. He's like, he's like if Luke Cage and Cyborg had a baby. Like, <laughs> so they'd know two different types of discrimination? <laughs> Shut the fuck up! <laughs> 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 ah, okay. I'm sorry, I may have killed Clay there. <laughs> alright, alright. Now, on, on, the, on like, the one hand though, I just found this gif of him going, yee! And I was like, yo, he's Dio! He's Dio! I think I like Tyrock now! He's a JoJo! <laughs> Is that a fucking JoJo's reference? <laughs> I, think it, I think JoJo is a fucking Tyrock reference. Man, man. Well, by the way, if you want, if you want to talk about fucking fandoms, right? Go read the start of JoJo's Bizarre Adventures. Like, go back to not, 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 not the first of the recent anime. I mean, go back to the 1970s Vampire Hunter Brothers manga because that is some shit. <laughs> That is a series that has, over the course of its lifetime, just casually discarded everything it was doing. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. Like, when we talk about, like, fandom and superhero media, there's also this angle where there are multiple creators and, like, things shift in such wild ways. Like, it's one thing, again, it's one thing how the, how, like, fandom interacts with, say, you know, Steven Universe or Thundercats or something and Star Wars, which has had a more close, like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm excluding, like, the extended universe because I have no connection to that. And God, for fucking bid, I touch any of that. But the point is, like, that's the natural state of superhero comics. To constantly be changing hands. To constantly be different. To constantly, you know, be, like, shifting. And still staying the same in that way. And there's just no... Like, the way Phantom interacts with that is so unique because of how weird it is, you know? It's hard to really, like, put in the words or, like, really hard you know hammer down the differences because it's so weird and it's it's just out there and i, I i'm sorry yeah no, no, <laughs> the no, rock thing just hit me <laughs> yeah 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 it's 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 landing um so as with like the funny thing is we didn't start this to be about fandom like our notes at the start are like oh we can discuss the idea of like canon and who owns mm-hmm. a dialogue and here we are Angry about I mean, Homestuck. Um, <laughs> well, that's the nature of Homestuck. Like, if you're, if you're not angry about yeah. Homestuck, are you are you even into Homestuck? Really? <laughs> that said, uh, we're gonna have we're gonna have to, as with many things, come back to this and come back to the topic of canon later oh, because yeah. no, we like, have meat, we have material there. We just it just yeah, legit, y'all. And, I did not actually realize we were having this conversation until he said the word fandom. <laughs> yup. I was prepared for the other one. Uh huh. <laughs> and, and, and what makes this even better is that wrapped up in all that, when we do get around to canon, one of us is gonna have to explain hyper time. Not it! Nope. <laughs> that, of, I don't know fucking know! Gonna- <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Uh, as ever always, that was From the Rooftops, a podcast about superheroes that we didn't do an introduction for! <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Hi, this is From the Rooftops, and I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm a fan of Clay. I'm a fan of talent. <laughs> Tune in next time when we might actually have that discussion about canon that we f- started this phone call to do. We'll get one, Chiron. We'll get one out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the Blade movies, right? Okay. Here we go.
Is the second one canon? <laughs> yes, of course. What? What? Yes. Because Whistler comes one. back from the dead. <laughs> yeah, sure, and then he dies. No, he doesn't. He yeah. doesn't die because the third one isn't canon. <laughs> <laughs> the question is, is the TV show canon? Uh, no, because Sticky Fingers is a bad actor. Well, I mean, you know. But Shen is really cool. And also Shaft was Blade's dad, so that's some stuff I want to keep. And also the Bad Bloods gang was super cool. So it's how, like, do we, how do we connect that canon to Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Uh, I don't know, but I know that one image. God damn it. God damn it. That one, 